there. It's Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. This is episode 38, and we're going to talk about something that's a subject, unfortunately, that's near and dear to my heart, and that's intimate partner violence and traumatic brain injury. I am so glad we're walking the path towards healing together. And just a quick reminder, I'm not a clinician, counselor, or physician. I'm a certified trauma and resiliency life coach, a certified trauma support specialist, an advocate, and someone with lots of lived experience with trauma. Also, The information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and not meant to replace treatment by a doctor or any other licensed professional. All right, let's dive in. So I have worked with survivors of intimate partner violence now for over 12 years and with those that have a brain injury because of it, like myself, for a little over nine years now. And the one thing that I really want people to understand is that brain injury in victims of intimate partner violence or domestic violence or um, relationships involving abuse are so much more common than anybody realizes. And it doesn't take much for anybody who's being hurt to end up with a brain injury. So if we're thinking about it, a traumatic brain injury or a concussion, and they're really the same thing, it's any bump, blow, or jolt to the head, neck, or face, or a hit to the body that causes the head and brain to move quickly back and forth. And it doesn't have to be a front to back movement. It can be a side-to-side movement. It can also be a rotation. So think about your head rotating around in a circle on your neck. So any sudden movement like that can cause the brain to bounce around or twist in the skull. You know, the brain is held inside the skull with cerebral spinal fluid around it to kind of act as a cushion. But if you are bumped or jolted or hit or thrown or shaken, that cushion isn't enough to keep your brain from hitting back and forth on the inside of your skull. So it bounces around and it twists in the skull It can cause chemical changes in the brain. And then the the brain is, is, you know, consists of thousands of little connections and tissues. And, you know, movement like that can cause stretching and damaging of of the tissues in the brain and the brain cells. And like I said, the movement could be any sort that causes the brain to slam around on the inside of the skull. So it can be a hit, it can be a blow, you can be violently shaken. That can also cause injury. So 
when we think about the different parts of our brain and what they do, thinking about the, the front part that's right behind your forehead, that's the frontal lobe. That's the part of the brain that controls thinking, speaking, memory, and movement. That's the part of the brain that I call our logical brain, our executive functioning, our higher functioning, you know, our, our logic, you know, how we think through things and how we reason, you know, with different situations and think them through. And, you know, the other sections of the brain, there's the temporal lobe, which is kind of situated a little bit towards the back. It's hearing and learning and feelings. And then there's the parietal lobe, which is language and touch. Your occipital lobe, which deals with vision, color perception, depth perception. And the very back of your brain is the cerebellum. And that deals with things like balance and coordination. So if you think about any of those parts of the brain that get hurt, that get damaged, you know, through injury or through concussion, it's really amazing just what can happen to how we function and how we think and, you know, controlling our emotions and how we get through our day and deal with our jobs and our families and, you know, our relationship if we're being abused, you know, that all can become extremely challenging when the brain gets hurt. So many of us, a lot of us in abusive relationships, have repeated injuries, one on top of another, without the appropriate time to heal. And we think about things like this in sports. You know, we see football players that get, you know, they take tremendous hits on the field. You know, they get hit, they're pulled out of the game, they are assessed for any signs of brain injury or concussion. If they show signs once they've been assessed, they are taken and put into something which is now called concussion protocol. And, you know, they're under care by a doctor. And once they have gone through the appropriate period of time, then they are cleared, and then they are sent back into play. But for those of us that are in an abusive relationship, we usually don't get that kind of time. We don't get opportunities to heal. We are injured, and we are injured one on top of another on top of another. And, you know, we don't get time very often to rest and to heal. You know, our abusers make demands of us. We're, you know, we have families, we have jobs, we have responsibilities, we have the laundry to do, the dinner to cook, the house to clean on top of everything else. So, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves really, really struggling just to function every day. Another thing that people don't think about is strangulation, which can lead to brain injury. And strangulation is cutting off oxygen to the brain by applying pressure to the neck or any area that restricts oxygen and blood flow to the brain. 
And this can happen several different ways. It can happen by someone putting their hands or arms on or around your neck and applying pressure. Or someone using something around your neck to cut off oxygen, such as a rope, a belt, a scarf, or something similar. Someone sitting on your chest cutting off your airway and restricting your breathing can also cause brain injury. And I just wanted to make a little bit of a distinction. Strangulation is not the same as choking. And, you know, so many of us, and it's easy to understand why, we use choking and strangulation kind of, you know, as the same thing. But choking is like when you get a piece of food stuck in your throat and you can't breathe and it blocks our airway. That's choking. And strangulation is an external force being put around your neck or in a way that restricts oxygen and blood flow to your brain. And something else that those of us who work in the field are very, very aware of, but everybody needs to, to be aware of it. Strangulation by an intimate partner leads to an increased lethality risk. And what that statistic is, is that odds for homicide, so if you're in an abusive relationship where you are being strangled, your odds increase by a staggering 750% that you will be killed by your partner compared to victims who have never been strangled. So if you have an abuser that is cutting off your airway, restricting your oxygen, you are at a heightened state of danger of having your life ended. So if we have brain injury, what does that do to us? How can we think? How do we feel? How do we act? So some of the cognitive or thinking symptoms that can happen. We may struggle with poor memory, poor comp uh, comprehension, which means we have a harder time understanding things, getting started on tasks. You know, we know we have things to do, but we just can't always seem to get going. Maintaining our attention, our attention and focus can be really, really bad. So, you know, having a conversation, reading, learning, doing a job, being at work can be very difficult to stay, you know, to keep our attention on task. Poor problem solving. We may not be able to solve problems well and think, think, through, think through things as well. Challenges with risk assessment. We may not have a real good understanding of just what kind of danger we're in if we're in an abusive relationship. Our judgment is off. We're not seeing things clearly. And then we talked about that executive functioning in the brain, that logic, that, that real you know, constructive thinking part of our brain that can really be off. So, you know, all those things might make us look like we don't follow through with plans. We're not interested. We're not engaged in things. 
We don't get excited. We don't really care about things. People may see us as being unmotivated, even lazy. We get really mentally fatigued quickly. So being tired is a big symptom. We may miss appointments or deadlines. You know, we aren't able to keep track of things. Our memory isn't good. So of course we're going to miss appointments and miss deadlines at work. We may not be able to complete even the simplest of things. We may not be able to fill out forms. We can lose our train of thought and not follow conversations. So, you know, we may hear somebody speaking to us, but, you know, we're not really there. We're not really focused. So some of the physical symptoms that we may have. Big one, sensitivity to light and sound. So bright lights, lots of noise, too much stimulation is going to be overwhelming. We can have pain and discomfort with that. We can have vision problems. Um, you know, we may not sleep well. We may have difficulties falling or staying asleep. We can have problems waking up. You know, we may not be able to get up and get out of bed the way we're supposed to. We can have problems with our eyesight and hearing. We could have seizures. We could have headaches. We can be dizzy. Our balance can be bad. My balance is still really bad. I fall pretty frequently. And sometimes it's just a little slight miscorrection going around a corner. And I will fall and I don't even catch myself. So whatever that is in my brain that, you know, usually you put your arms out to brace yourself, I don't always do that. I will just fall to the floor. So that definitely, that distresses my family big time. Um, fatigue, we talked about, you know, if, if you've been strangled or had something put around your neck, you may have difficulty swallowing, you may have neck pain. Um, you know, we talked about the difficulties in concentrating and feeling overwhelmed, you know, and you're just exhausted. You're too tired to just participate in whatever your normal activities are. So emotional symptoms. We may struggle with feeling easily frustrated. We may be more aggressive than usual. We may even feel anger and rage. You know, for those of us that typically don't get angry and don't feel mad about things, we may just all of a sudden get this surge of anger coming out of nowhere. Um, our moods can go up and down. You know, one minute we're okay, the next minute we're not. One minute we're coping with things all right, and the next minute we're in a heap on the floor in a puddle of tears, you know, just for just back and forth mood fluctuations. We can be more impulsive. We often don't think through things, you know, because that, again, that executive functioning, that logical part of our brain isn't working well. So we may do things and not think about the consequences of our actions. Um, mental health can get worse big time. It can you know, aggravate um, symptoms of depression, symptoms of PTSD and panic disorder, anxiety, all of that. You know, we may look to others like we're just non-compliant. You know, we're not doing things the way we should. 
We say or do things without thinking. We have trouble getting along with others. We may even challenge other people. We don't follow directions well. And we can really feel and talk about being hopeless. We're withdrawn. We're quiet. And then there's also threats to harm ourselves or harm other people. That can also be a big red flag for us that something isn't right. So, I mean, and that's just sort of a short description of some of the things that can happen. And I mean, is it any wonder that those of us who've experienced intimate partner violence have such difficulty with functioning in our daily lives? And no, it's not. I mean, how else are we supposed to behave? You're already in a situation where things are chaotic, things are threatening, things are are scary and unsure. And then, you know, you throw possible brain injury on top of it. And it's no wonder why we feel the way we feel. So this seems like a no-brainer, but I'm going to say it anyway. The first step is to get medical attention. And really, only an assessment by a medical professional can, can help identify what's going on. Impacts of brain injury can and do get better with proper identification, therapies, and treatments. So with that being said, having been in an abusive relationship myself, I understand the limits that are put on those of us in those relationships. I mean, the last thing our abusers want us to do is to go get help. They don't want us going to a doctor, to an emergency room, to an urgent care, because that's going to raise questions. How did you get injured? How did this happen? They don't want to be exposed. They don't want anybody to know what's going on. They don't want to get into trouble. So unless it's very serious, oftentimes it's very difficult for us to get medical attention. Do your best. If you're in a situation and you need to get help and you can try to do it safely without putting yourself at risk, do so. But if not, here are some things you can do at home to help you heal. Again, realizing this is not always possible, but doing the best you can with it. So complete physical and brain or mind rest for at least 24 to 72 hours after the injury in any way possible. So this includes avoiding screens. We talked about you know, avoiding bright lights, loud noise, lots of overstimulation, lots of things going on. If you can, take a break from work or school, you know, to keep yourself quiet and rest. Limiting reading and things where you really have to focus and concentrate and think. You know, try and rest in a dark and quiet environment as much as possible. And then you return to normal activities gradually. You know, if you, after 72 hours, you start to feel a little bit better, you get up and around and you start to do some things and maybe you get a headache 
or you feel dizzy, then go back to rest. Don't push yourself. You feel when you feel better, you can return to your normal activities. And again, always, always, always safety, safety, safety first. If you ever feel that you, your children, or your pet's lives are in immediate danger, please do not hesitate to call 911. And I know we may be scared, we think we should call 911, but it's the what-ifs that keep us from doing it. What's our abuser going to do? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my children? Don't worry about that. If you feel that you need to call 911, please don't hesitate. Your life, your children's lives, your pet's lives may depend on it. Also, if you need any assistance or help with safety planning, finding shelter, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline 24-7 at 1-800-799-7233. And they will help you find resources, shelters in your area. They will help you safety plan so that you can leave safely. And we've gone over that pretty extensively. You can also contact me. My email is K-E-R-R-I-W-A-L-K-E-R, the numbers four and three, at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there through my website, any of my social media pages. I will be more than happy to help find resources and support you in any way I can. This was kind of a quick episode. Um, I have been kind of moving the platform a little bit to doing some pre-recorded streams. So if you want to and would like to, you can go to my YouTube channel, Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma, any of my social media pages on, on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, and um, my live streams uh, or my streams run. Uh, my next one is uh, Saturday at 1, and that's October the 21st. Um, they are up for you to go and watch if you care to. Um, let me know what you think. Um, I'm kind of thinking about moving into live streaming. I just have to kind of make that jump. I will not stop doing the podcast so that those that would rather just listen can listen. I will just do the live streaming in addition. Um, again, what you think really, really matters. So let me know what you think. If I have, if there's any way I can help, please reach out and let me know. And please take extra good care of yourself. And we'll talk soon.